You're listening to Geek Girl Meets. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Geek Girl Meets. You know the drill. I sit down here in the podcast studio at Runway East and I talk to an awesome woman about her career. And today I am joined by Ellie Budd, who is a project manager for William Joseph. So first of all, welcome, Ellie. Thank you. It's great to have you here. And the first question I have is, well, firstly, what is William Joseph? It sounds very William Joseph. That's quite nice. I think that's what we're going for. Cool. (laughs) William Joseph is a digital and design agency working mostly with the charity, education and health sectors. It was founded 11 years ago by two wonderful designers who one has a son called William and one has a son called Joseph. That's very very sweet. Yeah, (laughs) that must get that. Yeah. Yeah. My dad at one point had a consultancy company which he called Cath Saw. Brilliant. Which doesn't, it's not quite as lovely sounding really as William Joseph, but Kath Saar was just an amalgamation of half of my name and part of my sister's. Doesn't quite roll off the tongue. No, it doesn't, does it? But you know what, he got a name and it's all he needed to get the consultancy <laughs> off the go. So what do you do as a product manager? I look after the delivery of or strategy of anything digital that a charity or education provider or health sector company wants me to look at so it may be looking at the website that's about to launch for a charity and making the best decisions for their users in terms of anything to do with the page structure how they want their users to navigate around the website or it could be looking at the strategy of a charity and helping them identify who their users are and how best to test out what they want so a kind of very broad range of things ranging from anything kind of in the marketing tech and comms world awesome so before we launch into how you ended up doing what you do now sure what did you want to be when you were a little girl I always knew I wanted to help people and do good but I had no idea what that meant aside from being a social worker or an aid worker and I always wanted to lead something but again no idea how or where and I remember like a really funny being really young and careering through the playground and a teacher stopping me and being like Eleanor you're gonna be the lead in the class play because you can't stop talking and you're bossing everyone around <laughs> like sure <laughs> and carry on running and then looking back at, like a few years ago you're like ah uh, yeah that's what she meant <laughs> like, I wanted to just talk and tell everyone what to do and then it was only when I was at university that I realized what that really could mean and what communications was and what digital was and the fact that you could have a career in that and you could manage a team in that and also do some kind of good yeah I always find it really fascinating when you hear stories that someone has of a teacher saying something to a parent or something to them that actually retrospectively you're like wow that teacher nailed it yeah completely on the head yeah it's brilliant it's really funny to realize that and then see that they knew what they were talking about yeah the one thing for me when I was a little girl at primary school I always I remember at the time being super frustrated because every time they put on like the you know the Christmas show you know when moms come along and they kind of cry because oh my baby's on the (laughs) stage I always used to get really frustrated because I wanted to be the lead woman. I wanted to be, you know, Mary or, you know, whatever was the lead reindeer of whatever was going on. Mm. And the role that I always got was narrator. <laughs> like, it just, it just, it's the storyteller. Yeah. And it's now what I do for 
life. Yeah. <laughs> and I and it's weird looking back on it retrospectively because I used to get frustrated that I wasn't the main character on stage, but actually I had the biggest part in the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just quite remember, an mental one. And I yeah. remember just being really frustrated. Now you look back and you're like, geez, little Kathy was a diva. Right. We yeah. Go back and have some words. <laughs> yeah, I I used to run around, I remember spelling out a word in class all together and I was sitting on a table with mostly boys and they were like oh it's all to get her and I don't know why I was the target but they were all then chasing me around the playground as a game (laughs) and it must have been because I used to boss them around so much that they're like she's the one that we want to target (laughs) so something in that sparks like wanting to lead them all a bit of an uproar arising from the ranks this isn't fair so how do we get from being told you know you want to do something that's in leadership and kind Mm. of and doing good I love the fact that very early on you're like I've got to do good Mm. how do we get from there to where you are now William Joseph I don't know (laughs) (laughs) some accident well you you mentioned at university you kind Mm. of started to see a bit of a path for yourself. So what, what was it that you went on to study? So I was studying English and fine art. So I that all came from being at college and knowing that I didn't want to give up either and realising I could do both. So I went to the University of Chester and they offered kind of 50-50 spits of degrees, which I found incredibly exciting. And I got to spend half my time kind of reading literature and kind of analysing it and commenting on it and half my time painting pictures and creating things. And that just appealed to me so much and I loved it and I didn't really want to stop it. So I started trying to work out what, how I could keep on doing good or kind of be that change in the world somehow, but not be an aid worker. I knew people were studying that kind of career path and it wasn't quite what I had in mind. I knew what my kind of basic skills were, communication, so words and pictures. And I was just trying to work out what that meant. And I remember realising that communications was actually a thing that people studied, reading me a bit more about it, and then realising actually that's sometimes called marketing. And that's a thing that I could do because that's words and pictures. <laughs> and I can do that. Yeah. So I left university and I was looking around for my first job. And I, I'm quite kind of a traditional person. I like the Monday to Friday, nine to five, that suits me. So I was looking for kind of internships, doing marketing in charities, more kind of more broad than that, but charities is what I was mainly looking at. And a really small charity called Safe Ground, who do amazing work in prisons. They run drama courses and encourage people in prisons to, through drama, realise the impact they're having on their families. So doing incredible work. They were looking for an intern to help with their digital marketing. I didn't know much at all. I had a lifestyle blog at the time and I knew how to use Twitter and Facebook, but they let me come along and I was running all of their kind of email, yeah, mostly Twitter, Facebook work. So, and trying to help out with their website as well. So quite a lot of of tech heavy stuff for someone who didn't know much at all, but it was an amazing opportunity to just learn on the job. And then I got my first role at the Royal Institute of British Architects. They, an amazing woman there who was the director of comms, didn't really need an exec assistant to help her. So she took what would be that role and made it into a graduate scheme. So whoever was going to get it got the opportunity to learn how to be a PA, but also be a digital marketing exec and learn on the job. And I was 
really, really lucky to get that role. So I had an amazing couple of years just learning lots about how to do digital, how to communicate things through the med- through the channel of digital to the audience that you have. So that was really early on in my career. Actually, I remember my um, manager there as well calling me the leader of the free world or the future leader <laughs> of the free world for some reason. And still not really realising why, but it's quite a nice thing to know that someone spotted that. There's a theme in your life. (laughs) People noticing that I'm a boss (laughs) and I'm bossing people around. But but yeah, it's quite nice. So I had a nice time at, yep, Royal Institute of British Architects. And then knowing that I was ready to kind of level up. And actually there's a bit of a theme in my career. I've never really pursued the next thing I've always just known I'm ready to move on I've learned what I can learn here I love it I've really kind of crafted what I know about the organization but now it's time to do something different and I've never known what it is next I've just kind of looked around in the digital space until I've spotted the opportunity and at this point I spotted the opportunity with kids who are an incredible charity who do work with disabled children and children with special educational needs and their families so there are lots of different services up and down the country that could be things like they do have a lot of playgrounds in London which aren't just adventure playgrounds they're actually kind of daycare centres for children who need that extra support so parents get a bit of a breather and then other different services around the country and they were looking for a digital marketing coordinator and I remember arriving and realising that they didn't have any marketing function and I was going to be that whole marketing and communications function. The coordinator was downplaying (laughs) it a little bit. It was what they were (laughs) able to budget for. Yeah. Yeah. So that was great. Actually, it really was great. The website was being run by the director of finance. So that was my first kind of task to see what I could do to not take that from them because they've done a great job of setting it up but add some value and see what that amazing piece of technology could do for <laughs> helping the charity raise money and spreading its word and information to people so I had that I was also kind of just setting up every other marketing function and I lasted about eight months but I met some good friends and learned maybe how not to run digital yeah at the charity yeah that's a lot to put on one person's shoulders especially quite a junior person yeah still yeah um, I was only a couple of years into my career so yeah yeah you did scary. you did well to do eight months yeah yeah I think it was the people yeah um, that makes a big difference because yeah. I had um not a, a directly related experience but I got given a lot of responsibility very on early on in my career which is great because it's done amazing things for everything Mm. further down the line but at the age of 23 I had stomach ulcers from stress so you you kind of like it's like yay great woo learning awesome empowering and then there's another part where you're like actually this is a mental and physical yeah strain and it's taking up a lot of my time yeah (laughs) yeah headspace yeah yeah so yeah decided it was time to move on and then I got offered a role at Cancer Research UK, mm-hmm. who are the leading charity in the UK for a number of things. So leading in terms of size, 
well, were a couple of years ago still leading in terms of income generated and one of the most recognised charity brands in the UK. So actually, I was listening to this podcast of Sharon a couple of years yeah. ago, who was head of product at Bloom World and was it? Cancer Research UK yeah, as well. Yeah, she was. She was for a while. She, mm. she kind of went here, there and everywhere mm. as well. She was a really interesting yeah. career. That was, for anyone listening, that's um, Sharon Ann Keane, who's now at Bloom and Wild, as you said. I'm yeah. pretty sure she's still at Bloom and Wild. She's just moved to Japan. Oh, mm. See, she's here, there and everywhere still. I'm going to email <laughs> her. Convenient. Be like, so you were on the podcast again, Sharon. <laughs> and I heard that you've moved to Japan. That's cool. She's going to be like, how do you know? Stalking her. <laughs> I know everything on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's where a lot of people go who really want to work in the charity sector and do digital but Cancer Research UK is so advanced for what they can do as a kind of digital and technology capability and it's where I learn everything I know now about what digital really means so I learned lots about user experience and how to actually learn who your users are and research them and then work out what they need from you and what value you can add to them and I learned about agile methodology not just as a development mechanism but as just principles you can take for better working across your organization and I learned about lean methodology so how to take an idea test it and learn from it rather than build big roadmaps of work that you just action and never work out if there's any value yeah and I just absorbed and absorbed and absorbed um and I actually when I took a role there I took an exec role and it was a little bit of a step down having been the person at kids for the marketing and digital world yeah um but I really wanted to take it because I wanted to learn from a big place because I'd not been uh, somewhere that brilliant and forward-thinking before and I remember after about six months feeling tired and fed up because I wasn't, I'd learned all there was to learn. Well, I thought I'd learn all there was to yeah. learn. And I wanted to, again, do something different. Um, and it was then that I got offered a role called proposition manager. And it really doesn't make sense until you describe what it is. But what Cancer Research UK were going through was, what, like many other companies, at the time and now still a need for digital transformation so realizing that the people the everyday user who wants to interact with the charity in some way is nowadays expecting the same technology that they can use when they pay for something on the high street so they see donations in the street they want to be able to tap their contactless card mm-hmm. in the same way that they can in a shop or they want to be able to go and book an event in a one-stage form rather than have to filling out five pages of information before running an event for you. And I think in every sector, people coming onto that and needing to then update their legacy systems and work out how to move faster. But in the charity sector, that's obviously much harder because of funds, because of just being big historic legacy organisations. And Cancer Research UK is one of the most kind of advanced technology but still has a lot of people and it's slow to move and we were kind of realizing that yes we needed to look at our systems but we also needed to look at our people and our capabilities and the digital team was big and it was a bottleneck it was the central control of anything on the website so anyone wanted anything just small updating had to go to the digital team and that was a blocker and it wasn't very fair 
and we realised that we needed to get those digital capabilities across the organisation and it's skills that people would need and that's not just really skills of like updating a website that's also skills of being able to collaborate and communicate with each other and have and realise the value of cross-functional teams rather than everything coming from the top down and lots of things like that and we were looking at different operating models and we well we I wasn't part of this decision but we decided to take on the hub and spoke model which is the same model that the government digital service were using in order to upskill and completely transform what gov.gov uk is doing yeah um which is incredible so we're like yeah that model we'll take that but what it kind of really means is the next time a team wanted to do something on the website as a proposition manager I would partner with a business owner in another team and we would be jointly accountable for what they were delivering so rather than them saying to me I want you to do this it was no we're going to do this together and then then the next time you need to do it you can hopefully do it without too much involvement sounds quite simple it really wasn't (laughs) (laughs) but the idea was great so I was one of the first then there was only two of us who started off that role so we're basically kind of pioneering digital transformation across the organization and it was amazing it was an incredible two years really really tough stuff so really having to use like my influencing skills my relationship management skills collaboration whilst also product managing that's yeah. the bit I forgot to mention I also <laughs> was a product manager <laughs> so it was a massive role and actually like Sharon I was product manager of Race for Life so we were building a new website for Race for Life while I'm having to work in partnership with an amazing business owner upskill her like be best friends be the same person teach her everything I know how to make decisions and deliver all this stuff all at the same time I don't know how we managed (laughs) (laughs) I can see that your body language is shifted right now you're like how the hell did I actually do that but you did right yeah so yeah big win big win so race for life now has some brilliant technology behind it has a new product in terms of the website itself but Cancer Research UK also build their own products internally in, t- in terms of an event sign-up form, an online fundraising platform, a donation platform. So all of that incorporated into one place, which is fab to be a part of. I loved it. Yeah, so that's time up until William Joseph. Okay, so when did you start at William Joseph? About five months ago now. Okay, so it's still really new. Still really new, really fresh. And I never thought I'd want to work agency side. I just never really kind of appealed to me as a place to be. Probably shouldn't say that because William I Joseph, she's she's lying. She loves it. <laughs> Great, it's fine. But I went from a massive organization of like two thousand people to a room of about eight of us. And I'm sometimes still like, where are my friends? Where can I walk to? Where can I just like run away and hide for a little bit? But it's a really exciting opportunity. So the person who gave me the opportunity at Cancer Research UK to be a proposition manager and had that faith in me, then went off to work at William Joseph and start the digital arm as director of digital. And he then said a few months ago, I think we're ready now to actually have a product manager help with delivery, not just delivery, but strategy and everything that we're trying to do and expand into. And do you want to be a part of it? And I was like, yeah, I can't turn that down. And it's 
really exciting. I can't actually believe how much I enjoy working with lots of different clients and lots of different stakeholders. I mentioned I really enjoy leadership at Cancer Research UK. I got to be a leader of my own product. I made the decisions. I obviously had a lot of stakeholders and a lot of kind of relationships to manage, Mm -hmm. but I didn't report kind of back to anyone in the digital team. I owned it. I came with a lot of responsibility, but it was kind of mine. In a small agency, everyone's very hands-on and we all have a part to play. And it's not so much that I'm having to report back, but we all work together and it's not just mine to own. But I'm actually really enjoying that and loving just working with a whole range of amazing clients, all doing amazing things and doing good. <laughs> so, so can you give us any examples of like, what kind of clients are you working yeah. on at the moment? So I don't know if I'm allowed to name names, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> so we're working with Locality, who are um, a fantastic kind of membership body for, despite the best way of explaining it, say if in your local community, a pub is going to be closed down and everyone in the community feels really passionately about that pub, they'll maybe sometimes rally together and actually community own that pub or same thing with the post office or a kind of local hall that people use. They're kind of community led places and are driven by the people who love those places locality as a membership body for those community run organizations that's cool really nice so yeah. we're helping we we're about to launch in a couple of weeks their new website so it's a much more focus on the members that they're there for and the network of members they have and really showing them off and giving them a place that they can speak to each other and learn from each other and get all their benefits from and yeah really see the difference that being a locality member makes so that's been quite a big thing to start with at William Joseph but really exciting it's looking amazing and really coming together so that's one but then (laughs) it's so varied so then today I was at the Lawn Tennis Association working with them on what being a British tennis member means and looking at a bit of a strategy for what they do going forward so much more kind of digital marketing side of things and then also we've got a brilliant client called Ashton who are a great charity who look at kind of sustainability in the technology and energy space and I'm a bit more of a kind of strategic product manager for them so we redid their website I say we I wasn't part of it but <laughs> William Joseph redid their website a year ago or so and I will be kind of more of a traditionalist product manager in the sense that I'm looking at all of their analytics how are things performing against their KPIs and suggesting improvements and running tests to test them out and if they prove kind of uptake upwardness in terms of their goals suggesting that to put forward to their developers so quite a range of stuff yeah but that's cool it's nice having that variety in what you're doing day to day yeah it's great and it, I, that's all charity examples but we're working much more in the education space so with King's College London and a couple of other universities and exploring lots of different areas in the health world which is um very kind of on trend right now yeah no it's it's so hot right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> tech for good tech, yeah <laughs> tech for good is a is a big thing it's and such a it's really interesting in London just like how much the tech for good community has grown mm. over the last five years that I can think of but it will probably have been for longer than that but it just feels like in the last couple of years definitely it's gathering more and more steam yeah 
ultimately like you do want to have technology that will change the world but you actually want that technology to be for a social purpose not not just someone who stands up at a tech crunch event and goes our technology will save the world yeah, because exactly. we will enable big businesses to do blah 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 <laughs> you know like it's yeah. That the, the, from the Silicon Valley show, the whole cliche that they had of just kind of gone full on nerd. Sorry, I'll shut up. No, but, no, no. I'm sorry with you. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it, you know, it's like, I kind of feel it a little bit at the moment. I work with so many different clients mm-hmm. and, and I love that. But at the same time, I'm consistently having to look at social media, having to look at everything because it's the comms marketing role again. And I'm getting a little bit disillusioned with the whole tech ecosystem a little Mm. bit because it's hard to see the good sometimes yeah yeah that for me that is a really big thing right now it's yeah it's really interesting stuff there's a lot going on in terms of it's a lot of app development and around what worries me a little bit is parts of the NHS that we all love the NHS and really want it to succeed but where say there's not funding and like for improving GP experience and I know NHS Digital is doing incredible work but then you've got apps popping up like Babylon etc where you can speak to a GP in minutes and that's that's great that is tech for good but also like that's kind of taking away from yeah. the services that we've but got. It, it's one of those frustrations I, I found I, so I, I signed up to Babylon because I couldn't get an appointment mm-hmm. So it's it's the, yeah, okay, I'm now paying a couple of pounds a month to Babylon, but in the back of my head, the next moment that I have a something's wrong, I've got the option yeah. of using that service to yeah. know what I do first. Whereas trying to get to a GP clinic in East London is just like, hi, I'm really sick. Okay, two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> Not sure I'll be sick in two weeks, but okay, well, yeah. fine. No, it's, exactly. one of, it's one of the biggest problems, right? Yeah, yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you, so as you were talking through your story, you mentioned a couple of people that have kind of moved on and then brought you along mm-hmm. with them eventually. So, you know, have you had mentors? I have, yes. The person that brought me along into William Joseph is probably the biggest mentor that I've had and taught me actually what having a mentor means. So he's great, really great. So good at his job and so good at really understanding people. And st- did that really annoying thing of, what do you think all the time? Yeah, that's what they have to do. That's what they have to yeah. do. Yeah, but it can be really annoying. So what's the, what, what is your definition of a mentor? To me, it is somebody that's not your manager. Well, it can be a manager and as long as they realise they're taking on that hat at that point in time. But it's someone that will encourage you, be your sounding board, push you. The first experience I have of had of having a mentor was James sitting me down and going okay let's work out what your skills are so what do you think you're really good at like I've never had to really do this before apart from a job interview so I did all that and then okay right let's take now let's take everything that you think you're maybe not doing so great at and you really want to develop and this is this wasn't like practical skills like being able to write a blog post this was really kind of personal more soft skills in inverted commas so things like are you are you good at empathizing with people are you confident to stand up in front of a room of people and present do you think you're able to influence people to what you want them to do what do you think your style is there do you think you're good at relationship building so everything that you can think of which taps into 
work that I've just really not explored before. So to me, a mentor is very much about helping you understand what you've got in yourself Mm -hmm. and helping you work out how you can develop in those areas. And it helped me so much just think about me in my day-to-day work experiences and being especially being a woman in in a kind of digital tech role at Cancer Research UK I'd be put in front of directors who mostly male directors who weren't used to a young female sitting in front of them explaining why they wanted to do something in their product a certain way and they were saying but I know best, I've had 20 years experience in this world of events or whatever it is, and I know it's right. And me saying, well, actually, I've tested it out with some users, not just their intent, but their actual, (laughs) whether they will (laughs) click on it and convert, and they have, so I think I might know right. And I never would have had the kind of confidence or maybe I would, but I wouldn't have known how to bring that out Mm -hmm. and what to label it as. So realizing that was influencing and that's something I could actually develop it's not something I just had to kind of do in a panicked moment I could prepare for that kind of thing and build kind of goals around it so I I was kind of a certain level doing it but actually I wanted to improve to the next level and what did that mean and just having someone to have those conversations with kind of week after week or I mean it wasn't always every week it was sometimes two months at a time but yeah yeah it's brilliant so what about you have you mentored anyone yeah there's a couple of really great women it's not just a couple there's many really (laughs) great women at Cancer Research UK but there's a couple who more recently moved into the role that I was doing Hmm. as a manager and they both asked me at various different points in time whether I could just have regular chats with them and I explained that you know yes we we can definitely just have regular chats but if, if we wanted to think of it as kind of a mentoring kind of relationship that meant that it was confidential and I wasn't going to like go tell other people about it <laughs> I would be that person to push them really help them think about what they wanted to do and the situations they're in so yeah I now meet up with them quite regularly um, not as regularly as I'd like now I've left but especially when the first one of them started in her role we were talking like twice a week all the time they're on the same team but she was also kind of grabbing me to go chat in a meeting room or whatever and for her she won't mind me saying this it was like the confidence around just knowing she she was chosen for that job and she was great and yes she was sometimes in rooms full of men or even women looking at her thinking or her perception was that she was too young and just working through that and realizing does it really matter if they do or they don't and just techniques for getting through that kind of situation yeah so it's it's nice like, I I love your story in that you know from the very beginning you wanted to do good <laughs> <laughs> and there's various aspects I mean that you know mentoring and giving someone confidence and helping them with their own professional development and sometimes personal development mm-hmm. right it's kind of the two go hand in hand yeah personal life and professional life don't they're not separate no right doing that is a good thing so you, you just, you've got such like a lovely halo around your oh, head God. I love it that no. sounds too cliche <laughs> <laughs> sorry if you could if you could go back to when you were at university mm. so kind of first off like firstly discovering what it was that you wanted to do 
longer term or like figuring out what that confidence and leadership piece was and then fitting that with the doing good yeah what's the one piece of advice that you would go back and give your younger self now looking back I think it would be that the experience that you're going to have isn't as important as the skills that you have and you need to be able to work out what they are so not just the practical stuff so I knew I was like okay at communications but I didn't know that I was naturally quite empathetic or I was naturally quite good at building relationships in a kind of more subtle way and that kind of thing and if I could kind of go back now I'd really explore what those skills are and make the most of them and really work out how to communicate them because I think they are far more important in experience for any role that you're going to of go into yeah no that's really really good advice and and what about if you were just talking generally like if if you could mentor every single woman out there (laughs) (laughs) oh we'll narrow it down in london still a lot of women but but you know if you if you any woman right now who is just you know working or is looking at maybe taking a career change or shifting to the next Mm. company or you know maybe has got to that stalemate stage that you've felt before where you're like naturally done here i need to move on to the next thing what advice would you give to them? I think I'd say, like, expect the most of yourself. So I think women, as women, we're naturally used to downplaying our abilities and, like, demanding better has always been really scary, but has always got in places. So tell your manager or whoever it is that you need to tell that you're not happy or well, no, not, even if you're not happy, but what it is you want to do more of. I've sometimes gone into those conversations and said, I want to do more leadership or I want to do more like stuff. And they're like, okay, but like, tell me what that actually is because I can't help you if I don't know. So know what it is you want, but don't be afraid to say that. And don't think that you don't deserve that. So sometimes I've seen these opportunities and I think I, I'm not at that level, but there is no harm in exploring them. And you probably are. Like we naturally downplay ourselves as women. Maybe not everyone, but like it's a kind of quite gender specific thing and we don't need to. We can be just as demanding as the men who are getting the jobs around us. Good advice to end on. <laughs> be demanding. It's a good thing. Yeah. On that note, if someone is demanding your attention right now <laughs> who's been listening to the podcast, how can they get in touch with you? So Twitter's probably a great place. My Twitter handles at Ellie Bud with an underscore at the end because there's other Ellie Buds out there. And it's a double D. It is, yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> it's not as fun <laughs> as a flower. <laughs> flower but, no, but I just, you know what someone will type? It's like when they yeah, search exactly. for Kathy White. I'm like, Kathy White, then numerical 10, one zero, not T E N. And with a C. I'll okay. Be there. Yeah. It's all. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming along and joining me for the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And, you know, it's really genuinely, it's so nice to chat to someone who wants to do good no it's it's really 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 lovely so thank you so much for coming along and joining the podcast for today and of course you've been joining me at runway east featherstone street which by now guys you must know it's super close to the old street roundabout and they let me come in here and use their studio which is awesome so if you are looking for desk space they have three sites in Shoreditch and Moorgate, and they're all lovely. So you should go to their website, which is runwayea.st. And if you use the code GeekGirlMeets at checkout, you can get 20% off of any hot desk or a dedicated desk membership by using that code. As I've said, they're 
blooming awesome and they have enough space for your startup whether you are one or 100 or you just want to come and hang like it's a nice place to hang there's a cafe really cool lots of hipsters not I'm, I'm taking the mickey now but it's a really really lovely space so do go and check it out and on that note i will catch you next week bye you can follow geek girl on twitter at ggmuk sign up to our newsletter on the website at geekgirlmeetup.co.uk and you can like our facebook page geek girl meetup uk